Oh, well, good morning, everyone. Uh, uh, welcome to Hydrant. Uh, I'm Brendan. If, if, if you don't know me, I'm the, the youth pastor here at Hydrant, and, and I've actually only been here like the last like three months or so, and, and, and when I first got here, I had a couple different conversations with, with our senior pastor, Tim, and, and he, he tried to convince me in those conversations, telling me like, like he wasn't a funny guy, and and each time we had these conversations, I just sort of chuckled, and I was like, yeah, like, you say that, but you're playing this joke on me, like, the first thing I'm going to have to talk about in front of people is freaking singleness, so. And so now, as I, as, I, as I stand up here getting ready to talk to you about singleness and dating, I can indeed confirm that Tim is not a funny guy at all. Uh, no, but, but really, I'm, I'm incredibly uh, grateful and, and humbled to, to get to be here and, and get to share with you guys, but, but I want to make sure that we're starting from the right place, because I'm not Tim. So if you're expecting something like Tim brings every week, I'm going to need you to, to take that bar and drop it like seven or 12 levels, and then we might be starting on the right place. Uh, that was better than like a half chuckle from one person out there, guys. Come on. Uh, but, but no, I, I'm, I'm not Tim, obviously. I'm, I'm, I'm not a quarter as knowledgeable as Tim is, and I'm not like an eighth as well-researched as he is. I'm not going to be able to tell you about all the different ways that the human brain functions or, or what 17 authors say about the same subject. Uh, <laughs> But, but really, when I try to do that stuff, I'm, I'm bad at it anyways. The, the, the things that, that inspire me and, and motivate me and, uh, and the way that I, that I teach is, is through stories, uh, through just telling what God is, has done in and, and through my life and, and the ways that I've seen Jesus and, and the Bible at, at work in my life. I, I don't want to just necessarily talk from, from information, but, but experience as, as well. And, and so, uh, and so I, I, I get motivated by these stories, but I get so hooked on them sometimes that, that I don't feel comfortable like talking to a group of people until I've told some of my story and, and, and got to share some of that experience. And, and so that's where, where we're going to start from today is, is sort of some of my experience walking alongside God and, and, and walking alongside God in singleness. And so, You've got like 29 years worth of sermon coming at you this morning, so get ready for that. <laughs> but, but no, to, to share some of my story with you, when, uh, when I was a kid growing up, uh, I was single at the time. Um, you guys are getting it. You're getting there. I feel good about where this is going. Uh, no, so, so when I was a kid growing up, uh, my family and I, we, we lived in a small town called McPherson, Kansas. Uh, and it was me, my older brother, and two younger sisters, uh, and then and then my parents, and and we were a homeschool family, uh, complete with like the most wicked bowl cuts you have seen in your life, uh, and and so so while we were homeschooled and and going to church and and being raised in that way, we we were taught that there are two most important things in our life above everything else, and and that was God and and family, 
And, and so we, we were raised with, with that understanding. Now, now one of the cool things, uh, there aren't a whole lot, about being homeschooled um, is, is the opportunity that, that you get the, the freedom to, to do a lot of different things that, that you're not able to when, when you're in school every day. And, and so one of those opportunities that, that my family took, uh, specifically my, my mom and, and, and all my siblings, uh, we, and, and I also, um, we... We took about three and a half months, and we went on a wagon train. This was about the time that I was like nine years old. Uh, it was the sesquicentennial, and the only reason I know the word sesquicentennial is, is it was the sesquicentennial, the 150-year recreation of the gold rush. And so from like eastern Colorado to Sacramento, California, my family and I rode this wagon train. And, and my dad obviously couldn't take three and a half months off of work if we were expected to like live and stuff. Um, and and so, so every once in a while, he would take the weekend and he would come out onto the wagon train with us and, and ride for a little while. But, uh, but I think everybody in my family views the wagon train as a, as a significant turning point in, in our lives. Because Pretty quickly after we got back from the wagon train, uh, my parents did a lot of a lot of talking, and 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 there's there's a lot of impact that that separation of those three and a half months had, and 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 so shortly after we got back, uh, my parents got divorced, and and pretty quickly after that, my mom found a job out in Utah where one of her friends from the wagon train uh, found her a job teaching at a school, and. And so we started to spend nine months the school year in Utah with my mom and, and then three months uh, in, in Kansas with my dad. And, and, and so during all this time, my understanding of, of what family was and, and this thing that was supposed to be the second most important thing in my life was, was kind of ripped away from me and, and I didn't really know how to process that. And, and, and so in Utah, we, we quickly found ourselves back in church like like we had throughout the whole process but but this time we were going to the Mormon church and and so in the midst of of all this confusion about what was happening with my family I I was being taught different things about who God was and and the way that God worked and and that brought on more confusion and and eventually that confusion just just turned into anger and and I was angry at God because I blamed him for for letting all of this happen to my family uh, and I blamed my mom because she was the one who made all these choices that, that brought my family to this place. And so I just, I just lived with that anger. I, I tried to, to reject God in, in any way I could with still being forced to be at church every Sunday and Wednesday. Uh, but, but I just lived in, and held on to that anger for, for about three years. Uh, and the thing is, when, when you spend that long being angry, you, you just eventually miss being happy, especially when you're that young. And, and so I, I started to realize that that was missing, and so I started to ask questions. And, and I was asking questions to these people that I was forced to be with every Sunday because they kept talking about happiness and, and joy and, and all of this stuff, and, and I wanted that back. But, but in the midst of, of all of this, that anger with my mom just continued to grow and until the point that that I just didn't want to be anywhere in her house anymore, and I realized I, I had a choice with it, and so, 
at the beginning of my freshman year of high school, I, I left the rest of my family out in Utah, and I moved in full-time with my dad in Kansas. Uh, and, and while I was in Kansas, I, I kept asking those questions. My, my youth pastor growing up, Zach, he, he was so patient with me, and he met with me every week as I continued to bombard him with questions about, about what is the meaning of all this? Where is happiness? Where is, where is joy at? And what, what are the difference between Christians and, and Mormons? And, and he kept coming back with, with these answers and kept turning me back to the Bible and, and, and showing me where hope and where joy comes from. And, and I got to, to experience that again in my life. And, and Zach was actually the first one to encourage me to, to think about my story and, and to use my story in the ways that God had worked in my life. And, and so as I thought about that, I, I thought about all of the other kids that, that grow up in, in kind of that same way of, of this, this hopelessness and this anger and, and this sadness and and, and I wanted to give them the hope and the joy that I had found. And, and so, so I decided that I wanted to do what Zach did with me. And I, I wanted to be a, a youth pastor. And, and so uh, alongside of that, I, I also made my mind up, like most kids of divorce do, that, that when they get married, when I get married, I'm, I'm going to make it work. I'm going to make that one stick. And, and so with, with this idea and with this understanding, I, I, I kept going through high school and, and, and in college. And then after college, I found my way uh, to this camp in, in the middle of Texas called Camp Eagle. And, and I spent about a year and a half down at Camp Eagle um, until my time there came to a rather abrupt end. And, and I was let go for some attitude issues that I had had during my time there. And so I got to live the dream of every 24-year-old and move back into my high school bedroom and live with my dad and figure my life out and, and do some more wrestling with God. And, and then in about after nine months of that, I, I found uh, myself going back down to Texas. I had found a job at a church in San Antonio, and, and I would spend the next four years there. And and it turns out that San Antonio is a little bit bigger than Goldsboro. And, and being, being as that, you know, you, you get a few different opportunities. And, and one of those opportunities that I was able to be a part of and, and, and take was, was I got plugged into this young adults group that was led by another church across town. Uh, and so every Tuesday night, I got to get together with about 175 to 200 other young people. Uh, and, and really, it was, it was 175, 200 other young single people. Like, I invited some of my married friends every once in a while, and they showed up for like a week or two, and they're like, hey man, like that was great, but it's super weird, because everyone just keeps asking me about my marriage, and it's uncomfortable. <laughs> and, and so, so that, was, that was really where this group was at, and, and, and the community that it built and, and attracted, and and I just have, I have so much respect and admiration for, for my friends Ryan and, and Zach and Hannah because they, they led this group in, in such a good way because they saw all of these single people uh, and, and, and they spoke like three or four times a year just about what singleness is and, and how we pursue God in that. And I was just so amazed by them because I'm like, dude, I would have gotten sick of doing this like the first year. I would have just been like, all right, you guys learn it yet? No? Okay, well, that's on you. Perfect. We're, we're moving on. 
but, but they just continued to stick with it and, and, and to preach this message over and over again. And a lot of the times it, it dealt with the same sort of stuff. And, and honestly, we'll, we'll be getting into some of that stuff uh, here, here this morning. But before we get into that discussion, I, I want to make sure, again, that, that we're starting uh, from the same understanding. And so, so let's be honest. Uh, for those of you who are single out there, uh, or have been, or know what singleness is like these days, it kind of sucks. <laughs> like, we live in a culture that, that puts so much pressure and, and emphasis on marriage and, and finding wholeness in, in another person, and, and finding a, a way to complete yourself through somebody else, uh, which, which, by the way, the idea of you complete me, uh, that's not real life, that's Jerry Maguire. Uh, it's a great movie, love Tom Cruise, uh, terrible thing to base your life on. Um, but, but in a culture that, that sort of pushes that mindset and that understanding, it's, it, it takes work to, to remember what we're made for, and, and to remember who we're made for. Uh, but the Bible talks about it, and, and in Romans chapter 8, uh, verses 32 through 30, oh, no, sorry, that's the other one, uh, 27 through 30, it says, and, and God the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. For God knew his people in advance, and he chose them to become like his son, so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory." Being single sucks because, because we're constantly being bombarded with this idea that we're not enough on our own, that, that we need someone else to, to make us whole. And, and we hear that so much, it's, it's hard not to believe it. But, but there in Romans, God reminds us that, that our completion isn't in anyone else. Our completion is in a relationship with the one who already knows us, the one who has, has set this out for us since the beginning. Our completion is in a relationship with God. And, and we pursue this relationship uh, in, in different ways, and singleness is, is really just a different way that, that we get to pursue this relationship. And this relationship covers everything, like we've been talking about since the beginning of the year. This, this is about our relationships and, and our emotional health and our spiritual health and financial health and, and, and physical health. And, and we, we learn what all of that means through this relationship with God and, and singleness and, and dating they're just simply different ways that, that we get to approach all of that. So, so getting back to, to when I was a part of this young adults group, they literally just called it group because they were lazy, I guess. I don't know. Uh, but, but the thing that we kept going back to time after time after time, year after year, uh, was, was this writing by uh, this guy named Paul. Now, 
Now, Paul wrote a, a huge chunk of the Bible, uh, and, and he also traveled around to all of these different cities and areas and, and helped them understand what it was to live a life with Jesus and, and, and to, to understand who he was and, and to understand what it meant to be the church. And, and so he traveled these different places. He wrote letters to these different places. And, and, and one of these places that he went was a, was a city called Corinth. Uh, and, and he spent some time there, uh, but, but eventually he moved on. But, but as he moved on, he, he kept hearing stuff from the church in Corinth and, and about the church in Corinth and, and started to realize we've got some serious issues going on in this city. And, and so he wrote a few letters back to them, and, and he even went back and, and visited them a couple more times to help them start out and and so the book in the Bible, 1 Corinthians, is, is one of those letters that he wrote. And, and it just kind of jumps around from issue to issue that, that he's heard about, that he knows is present in that church. And, and, then, and then he gets to, to chapter 7, um, and, and it starts talking about these different relationships. It's, it, he starts talking about what marriage looks like in, in relationship with God and, and what singleness looks like in relationship with God. And, and so in verse 32 of, of chapter 7, he starts out and he tells us, I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. An unmarried man can spend time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities and how to please his wife. His interests are divided. In the same way, a woman who is no longer married or who has never been married can be devoted to the Lord and holy in body and spirit. But a married woman has to think about her earthly responsibilities and how to please her husband. I'm saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Paul points out that, that when we're single, we just get a focus on, on the relationship between us and Jesus. And, and in that relationship, we're not supposed to just to, to get to know Jesus more, but, but he says it right there at the end. He says, I, I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best. As, as we strive to, to deepen this relationship with Jesus, Paul tells us that it's, that it's done through service to God. And, and in singleness, we, we get the opportunity to go and, and, and to do and to serve more. We, we simply just have more time for it. Our focus isn't pulled away by, by having to take time for, for our wives or, or husbands or, or kids. It's, it's just us and Jesus. My, my friend Brandy back in San Antonio, I spent about the last year uh, at that church working with her. Um, she would be able to tell you that, that there's a word that I, that I continually go back to and, and that I, I use a lot in my life. Um, in fact, she's able to tell you this so well because I kept talking about it with our students over and over. And it got to the point where when she knew I was about to start talking about this, she would like audibly groan and, and be like, are you guys serious? I've only been here a year, and I already know what he's about to say. You've had him for three years longer than I have. Teaching kids is wonderful. You just say it once, and they learn it. They've got it. It's great. Uh, but, but no, the, this, this word that, that I keep going back to and, and really is, is the biggest lesson that I've learned in my singleness is, is intentionality, is, is living with purpose, 
My first summer at Camp Eagle, I worked for, for a guy named Blair Cushman, and, and he's still one of my favorite people on earth. And, and he was really the one who started to introduce me just to this idea of intentionality, because, because if you were to ever have a conversation with Blair, you learned really quickly that you needed to know where that conversation was going. Because he just kept poking. No matter what it was, he would just keep asking why. Why do you want to carry on this relationship, this, this, this mentorship with this camper after summer? Why do you want to have that conversation with this other staff member? Why, why do you want to go and, and do that? Why are you pursuing this degree in college? Why? In, in all of this, he just kept asking why we were doing what we were doing. And if, if you didn't know, if you hadn't processed through all of that, you stopped having conversations with Blair really fast. But as you watched him, you, you also realized that, that he had purpose behind everything that he did. Every conversation he would have, every, every message he would speak, and, and every question that he would ask, there was always a purpose behind it. And, and it just got me thinking and, and got me to the point where, where I realized if we're honest with ourselves, there's always a why behind everything that we do. The, the question is, are, are we aware of it? Or are we taking control of it? I'll be honest, I, I have not been intentional. I haven't been good at, at taking control of the why in my life for, for the last few months, probably for about the last year. I, I haven't used my singleness well because I haven't made room for Jesus to work in my life. I've, I've been selfish and, and self-indulgent and just doing the things that, that I want to do for myself. I, I, in fact, I, I had to have a conversation uh, with, with my counselor and, and, and with Tim just a few weeks ago talking about my first two months here at Hydrant uh, because, I, because I started to really think about the why of, of, of how I started here and, and the things that I was doing. And, and when I was honest... I realized that it was a fear of failure that was controlling everything that I did. I, I was laying in bed until I was late coming into the office because, because the less time that I spent at the office, then, then the less chance that I have to not live up to the expectations that I thought people had of me. Uh, I, I left the office and I just went back home and, and shut myself in my room for the rest of the night because, because I didn't want to try to form relationships and go through that work and form new friendships with people that, that might just eventually get taken away from me anyways. My, my why was, was fear, and, and I was just simply reacting out of that fear. Now, up here over the last few weeks, Tim, Tim has talked about this idea of, of tov and, and ra, these, these two Hebrew words in the Old Testament that, that really just mean what's, what's good and, and what's bad, what's, what's right for us and what's wrong, or how, how our lives are supposed to be and, and the ways that, that we turn away from that and, and walk away. And when I live with intentionality, when I choose to take control of my why, those fears start to dwindle, and, and those fears, those fears are, are, are me living my life turned towards raw and how it's not supposed to be. But when I'm intentional, I, I can turn towards tov. When, when I'm intentional, I, I can get out of bed and I can get into the office and, and I can remember that, 
that I've had people like Zach and, and Blair and, and now Tim lead me and teach me and, and pour into me over my life and, and that, that I'm equipped by God to be where I am because that's where he has me. If you are where you are, that's exactly where God wants you to be and he's equipped you to be there. And now it's, it, it is impossible or it is possible to, to live intentionally towards Tov and, and towards, or towards Ra and, and towards what's bad and, and, and how life is not supposed to be. But, but I hope that by being here, you, you want to live how you're supposed to be. You want to figure out what life looks like when it's turned towards what it's supposed to be and when it's turned towards Tov. But, and, and in singleness, that's, that's just what we get to focus on in this intentionality. And not that you don't get to do that in any other situation, but, but just like Paul talks about in, in Corinthians, in singleness, we, we get the opportunity to just focus on that. Reality is, is when you're married, that intentionality has to majorly shift. You now intentionally have to spend time with your wife or intentionally have to spend time with your husband. You intentionally have to spend time with your kids. You intentionally have to take those kids to school and, and drop them off and then pick them up again. You have to take them to practice and then turn around like an hour later and pick them up again and, and spend all of this time focusing on those relationships around you where, where in singleness we just get a focus on, on us and, and Jesus and so, so what does this intentionality look like? Uh, right now, we're, we're going through this, this series with the teens uh, called, called Purpose, and, and, and talking about how one of the many things that the Bible does is, is it shows us that, that we were created on purpose and, and with purpose and for purpose. And, and the more I think about singleness and, and intentionality, uh, the more that that this feels like it ties in for me and 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 I start to think you know if 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 we 're created on purpose and and for or with purpose and and for purpose then then we should live on purpose and and with purpose and for purpose and and so what does that look like in intentionality is is living on purpose, is taking control of that why. Be proactive, getting out of bed in the morning, and, and not just in time to get ready and go to work, but, but in time to, to wake up, in time to, to work out, to take care of yourself physically, or, or in time to take care of yourself spiritually, in time to spend time in, in prayer, or, or reading the Bible, or, or just thinking about what God is doing in your life thinking about the, the story that he's given you. Uh, one of the great ways to do this is, is by reading, is, is not only by reading the Bible, but, but reading other books. And so if you're looking, if you're, if you're understanding this relationship with God and, and you're just kind of starting out, but you want to know more, uh, I, would, I would suggest that you pick up the book Mere Christianity by, by C.S. Lewis or, or Simply Christian by N.T. Wright. Um, if, if you're kind of committed to this relationship and, and you want to go deeper in this relationship with Jesus, uh, I, I would suggest the book Cost of Discipleship by Dietrich Bonhoeffer or, or Liturgy of the Ordinary by Tish Harrison Warren uh, or Celebration of Discipline by, by Richard Foster. All of these books have had major impacts on my life 
and, and in my pursuit of, of intentionality in my singleness. And so, so living life on purpose. In that, in that we, we need to be the initiator. Right now, loneliness through young people is, I'd say, more common than, than ever before. And, and we do a lot that doesn't help ourselves in those situations. Uh, but, but we sit there and, and we feel alone. And, and we've got all of these people that are spread out feeling alone. And I know because cause I'm one of them. I get sucked into that too. But hear me out on this one. If we're out there alone because we're not together, we should get together. Just Seems, seems easy, but, but we're all just kind of, we're just kind of there waiting on someone to set something up on, we're waiting to be invited. We really just wish that there was a community out there already established and going that we just easily get to walk into and, and be a part of, but, but the reality is that, that it takes work, that we have to put effort, and, and so be the initiator in that. Be the one who sets that up. Be the one that invites people into your life. And so that way we can spend this time together instead of alone. We have to have intentionality to, to push past our fear to, to engage with people. And so, so when we live on purpose, we are making efforts to connect with God and with other people. We make time to spend with God, and, and we make time to spend with others. Now, one of the rules I live my life by, also taught to me by Blair, uh, is a pretty simple one, and it's be the first idiot. Uh, be the first one to, to go and, and, and to put yourself out there and, and make people hopefully realize that it's okay. Uh, and so I'm going to be the first idiot because I believe in this stuff and, and I don't want to just be talking. Like I said, I want to be living from experience. And, uh, and so I want to say, if, if, you're, if you're out there and, and you feel lonely, come hang out with Scott and I. Come hang out at our house, 811 Outlaw Road, uh, 5 o'clock on Saturday. Uh, I don't know what we'll do. We might just sit around, hang out. That's really one of the biggest things is it doesn't always have to be this big plan. You can just invite people into your life. Uh, the, one of the ways that I have felt most loved by, by people who were married, who still reached out and, and wanted to connect with me, uh, while I was living out at camp, my, my boss, Ryan, and his wife, Stacy, every once in a while would just be like, hey, you're coming over tonight. And I'd be like, okay, that sounds great, because I'd probably just be sitting around doing nothing. Uh, and and they'd, they wouldn't make any sort of big deal out of it. I'd, I'd come in and they'd be like, okay, well, you're either like hanging out with my kids while I make dinner or you're going to help me make dinner. So, because this is what our life is. It wasn't anything like planned out or, or made up. Their house was often a mess because they had two small children. And, but I just got to go and do life with them. It, it, it wasn't anything special. And, and we don't need to, to plan anything special or to say these are all the details of, of everything that we want to do. And so... So if you want to join in with, with Scott and I on Saturday night while we figure out what we're doing with our lives at that point, um, what is that? Leap Year's Day? Is Leap Year's Day a thing? I don't know. Let's make it a thing. Uh, whatever. Saturday, 5 o'clock, 811 Outlaw Road. If you want to come hang out, come hang out. 
Uh, Intentionality. Intentionality is is living, leaving. (laughs) Intentionality is living with purpose. We spent the last few weeks of this year talking about that purpose that that we're supposed to live with. We we were created in the garden to to be with God and, and to live alongside God and to work alongside God and and even though we're, we're not in that place anymore, we still have the opportunity to do that by being in relationship with that God. We still have the same purpose to be in that relationship. And that relationship includes our, our emotional and, and relational and spiritual and physical and, and, and financial health as God meant them to be, as, as Tov. But, but living with a purpose is, is to always be pursuing a new depth in that relationship with God. When, when we spend time in, in prayer and, and reading the Bible and, and, and just, just thinking about our stories and what God has done in our lives or, or spending time with other people who are also in a relationship with God, our relationship with Him is, is strengthened. That's why we're here every Sunday. But, but if you're filled here every Sunday and you feel, you feel peace and, and you feel like you're learning and growing more, don't just wait for Sunday to roll around for that to happen. God, God is desperate to, to meet with you wherever and, and whenever you are. And, and so, so take time to, to make that happen. Don't just wait for Sunday to, to roll around. You know, we have the opportunity moment by moment to meet with him in prayer and, and reading the Bible and, and meditating on, on what he's done for us. We've, we've got to take ownership over this relationship when we live with purpose. You know, my, my relationship with my best friend, my friendship with my best friend Stephen, isn't, isn't dictated entirely by what my friend David tells me about Stephen. No, my relationship with Stephen is, is because we hang out, we get to know each other, we spend time together, and, and that's got to be the same way in our relationship with God. Your relationship with God can't completely be dictated by, by what the person on stage or, or on the podcast or on the radio or, or in the video tells you about God. It, it, it needs to be dictated by your relationship with Him. And so, so when we live with purpose, we take it on ourselves to seek out and be filled with His grace and truth. If, if you're intimidated by prayer or, or by reading the Bible, uh, I get it, but, but I want to encourage you that, that none of our relationships with anybody starts out perfect. We don't start out perfectly communicating with anybody. We don't start out completely knowing anybody. Uh, I would feel like the parents in the room would be able to tell you, like, it makes sense, like, oh, you should, like, be able to know your kid. You gave birth to them. You raised them. Uh, I think just about every parent would be like, yeah, that's not a thing. I am constantly trying to figure out what is going on with my child. That, that relationship is constantly building, is, is constantly developing, and, and that's the same way in our relationship with God. And, and so if you're intimidated by prayer, I want to encourage you to, to keep praying. If, if you're intimidated by reading the Bible, Keep reading the Bible. Eventually, it becomes easier. As, as you talk to God every day, you'll eventually notice yourself saying more and, and wanting to say more. And, and eventually, it, it turns into this, into this thing where it's not just something you're supposed to do every day, but that you want to do every day. When, 
When you read the Bible and, and you go along with some devotional programs, there's, there's great uh, applications out there that, that can teach you how to read the Bible, that can teach you what's going on in the Bible. And the more you do that, the easier it becomes, just like in any of our relationships. So I, I would challenge you for, for the next two weeks, pick out the same time every day that you're going to take five or ten minutes and pray or, or read the Bible. And and I bet if, if you grab a journal and you kind of write down how you're feeling with that at the beginning of that time, and you keep track of that as you go along, I bet after two weeks you're going to be able to read your journal and, and say, man, I, I'm in a pretty different place in my relationship with God. So, so live, live with purpose to, to deepen this relationship outside of this place. And, and last, intentionality means, means living for a purpose. And, and when we live on purpose and, and with a purpose, we, we realize that, that the purpose we're supposed to live for is, is showing this same love that we've been shown to those around us and, and bringing them into that because if it's our purpose, then, then it's their purpose too. God has created all of us to be in relationship with him. Now, this isn't just about going around yelling Jesus things at people. I think most of us have probably had too much experience with that in our lives and that happening to us. Uh, no, this, it's, it's just simply about showing the same love that, that we've been shown. We tell the stories of, of what God's done in our lives and, and what he's doing and and we work to show that same love that, that Jesus shows. You know, Jesus didn't just preach sermons and, and tell stories, but, but he served people and, and, and he equipped people and, and he empowered people. And, and we need to look for opportunities to do the same, to, to serve and to help those around us. And, and you can do that here. We, we have the, the food pantry. We've got children and, and youth ministry you can come help us out in the office. You can help bag up and take cookies. Uh, shoot, if you want to help me clean the place every week, you can do that. <laughs> uh, or you can do that every month through, through Laundry Love, one of, the, one of the partnerships that we've made through Hydrant Love Goldsboro. You, you can do that through Airman's Closet or, or Young Life or, or Habitat for Humanity. The, the list of organizations that, that are available just like continues to grow and go on and on. Or you can just simply do that with the people and the relationships that you have around you. Who in your life needs love? Who in your life needs help? When we live for a purpose, we let the grace and the truth that we've learned and, and that we've been filled with overflow onto those around us. Intentionality is living on purpose to connect with God and with others. Is living with purpose to be filled by his grace and truth and, and for a purpose to overflow onto those around us. If, if you're dating, date on purpose. Communicate with each other and, and set boundaries for each other. When are you going to spend time together? How much time a week are you going to spend just the two of you? Because, because you have to exist in your life outside of that relationship. It can't just be the two of you all the time. Where have you been hurt in previous relationships? Or where have you hurt others in previous relationships? Physically, emotionally, where do those boundaries need to be set so that doesn't happen again? Think about those things and, and have those conversations. 
if, if you're dating just to have companionship, that usually doesn't end well. If both of you insist that, that, that nothing serious is, is happening and, and it's just for fun, one or probably both of you are lying, and mostly to yourself. The reality is we don't spend large amounts of time with people without teaching ourselves how to care about them. Having someone else there so you're not lonely doesn't cure loneliness. It creates codependency. If, if you're dating just to be with someone, I, I earnestly hope that, that you are able to, to see and to know that, that God has so much more for you and, and wants so much more for you. Date with purpose. Don't date someone just to see where it goes. Date someone to get to know him or her. Date them to, to see if your lives work together or, or realistically can work together with a whole lot of work. Because again, every relationship is just constantly more work. <laughs> Ask them their, their stories and, and share your stories with them. Don't let every time you see them just, just be something for fun. But, but something where you further get to know each other and, and figure out how you're not only going to grow closer, but how you're going to grow together. Are you going to be talking about Jesus? Are you going to be reading together? Are you going to be, to be sharing stories about what the Bible is, is teaching you and, and what God is teaching you? Are, are you going to pray together? Or are you at least going to pray for the same things? Grow closer, but, but at the same time, grow together. And, and date for a purpose. Honestly, I may be the crazy one here, but for me, if, if I'm not dating so I can understand if I'm going to be able to marry someone, I don't see the point. Like, I have too much to do in life already and too much I want to do in life to make this huge detour and, and spend a significant amount of time with somebody if I'm not sure they're going to be a part of that. And so, so ask yourself honestly, what's the why in your dating. If, if you want an example of, of an intentional life and an intentional lifestyle, uh, there's this guy in the Bible, you may have heard of him, uh, his name's Jesus, um, but he, he lived a life of intentionality and, and, and singleness throughout the entire time. Uh, you know, he, he reached thousands of people. He, he delivered sermons and, and he told stories and he performed miracles and, and people came from all over to, to see him and get to know him. But in the midst of connecting and, and, and pursuing all of those people, he really just poured into 12 because he knew that his time was limited and, and so he wanted to use his time intentionally to pour in and to equip people to continue the work after he carried on. And he, in fact, he was so intentional in that, in pouring into those people, he poured into the one that he knew was going to betray him the whole time. But that's not only the only place he was intentional, and he was, he was just intentional in his life even before we start reading about him. Uh, Jesus was about 30 years old when, when his ministry started, which means he just lived his life here for 30 years. He knew his purpose the whole time. He knew what he needed to do, but... But he didn't do that until his time came. He, he just was, was present in his life and, and intentionally lived uh, 
as he was supposed to until the time that he was supposed to be intentionally fully devoted to his ministry. He waited. And, and, and in the midst of his ministry, he, he continued to, to return to that idea of, of waiting and just being present. It wasn't just about going and reaching as many people as he could, as fast as he could, but, but as he reached people, he continued to, to take time to intentionally connect with God and, and to further his relationship with him. The Bible tells multiple stories of, of Jesus leaving huge groups of people that have just heard him speak, who have been following him around, and he just, he just walks away and, and goes to spend time to, to pray and, and in his own relationship with the Father. And, and sometimes he honestly just goes away to take a nap. Like he knew the intentionality of, of needing to rest, of, of needing to make it through this ministry. Now we're, we're going to focus a lot more on, on what that rest means for us in, in the coming weeks. But, but here's the deal. Without intentionality, Singleness sucks. We listen to what our culture tells us that, that we're not enough on our own. But with intentionality, singleness becomes a, a gift, a gift that tells us in Jesus we are absolutely enough. We are, we are complete. We have returned to Tov, to, to what we were created for. We get this gift of, of time to, to focus on, on learning more and, and serving the Lord more. With, with intentionality in this gift, we, we get the chance to, to look for our calling and, and try new things. And sometimes those things are deciding over the course of like three weeks that you're going to move to North Carolina. Uh, and, and in singleness, we, we, get to, we get to find out what, what moves us, like what, what stirs our hearts and, and why it does that. And then we get, to, we get to just fully throw ourselves into learning about that and pursuing that. We, we get to spend our time volunteering and, and, and overflowing onto those uh, around us. And, and that's a great way to, to find community. We just have the time to do that. And, and all of a sudden, you find yourself with these like-minded people who have the same interests as you, and you get to form these relationships and combat that loneliness. We get to have the freedom to, to figure out our finances, because uh, that's a whole lot easier when it's just one person. Um, our, our singleness is, is an absolute gift, and, and it's up to us to how we use it. But, but don't rush it. Don't try to get to the other side of this. Like Jesus took time to be present in his life for 30 years. Take time to be present in your singleness and, and to figure out who you are and, and who God is, is calling you to become. But don't waste it either. These days, the studies show that, that most guys, by the time they're 21, spend 10,000 hours playing video games. Over the last six years, each person has, has spent an average of 35 to 50 minutes a day on Facebook, just on Facebook. That's not any other social media or any other website, 35 to 50 minutes a day on Facebook, uh, and it's definitely not Hulu or Netflix. Um, <laughs> And, and I'll be honest, I'm, I'm pretty sure I fit squarely into both those categories, both those statistics. And, and that, like, twists my stomach to be able to see that time that I've wasted laid out in front of me like that. That's, that's tough. That's me wasting this gift of singleness. And, 
But, but as we look at all that and, and we realize that this is what the culture around us is, is doing, we, we start to realize that this is, this is really difficult to live on the other side of that, to live turned away from that. And, and I get it. It looks so much different from the world around us, but, but God has so much more for us, and, and God is so much better for us. Last week, Tim talked about the, the temple of, of Aphrodite, and, and, and the long story short, it, it was this, this temple full of prostitutes, and, and it was commonplace. No matter what your situation, that you would, you would go to the temple and, and you would worship Aphrodite. That temple was in Corinth, this place that Paul wrote to, this place that, that he encouraged people, no, I, I want you to be free from those distractions because they cause nothing but problems. I, I want you to be focused on, on your marriage and, and on your singleness. And so even, even at the time that Paul was writing this letter, in, in a different way, but it, but it still stood in complete opposition to what the culture was doing. And, and, and it's tough, but, but we have to take this gift and, and use it wisely. And, and even, even when you're doing the hard thing and, and you're focusing on living life intentionally and you're deepening that relationship with Jesus, you may still feel like you're supposed to get married. And, and that's great, but, but in your singleness, become the best person that you can be for the person you're going to get married to. Look at your life right now. If, you, if someone else was living your exact same life and they brought you into that, is that something that, that you would want? I know that I can absolutely say no because I'm a mess. Tim, Tim talked about how, how marriage and, and these relationships are, are like a gardening project. And, and in singleness, we, we prepare that garden. And, and in marriage, we reap what we sow. We, we get what we prepare for. And, and right now, I've got quite a few financial and, and emotional and spiritual weeds to pull and, and a whole lot of ground to plow until I'm ready for that. If, if I want to live out this desire of, of making marriage work, I have to do the work beforehand so it does. I've got I've to figure out the boundaries that I need to set. I've got to figure out what it means to live in line with Tove, with, with what's good in life. I've got to spend, or I've got to stop spending that time on, on video games and, and Facebook. But if, if you want to be married, get ready to be married. If you're living with intentionality and, and you don't feel like you're supposed to get married, that's great too because you just continually get to live in this gift and become more and more and more in line with, with this relationship with God. You get to be the best person that, that you can be to, to overflow continually onto those around you. And so I, I get it. Singleness is, is tough and, and dating is tough and, and trying to be intentional and living with intentionality in both of those is, is tougher than those. But, but to discover who we are made to be is, is so very worth the work. So let me, let me pray for us as we go today. Father, I... I thank you so much that you are, are the one that wants this relationship with us, that you are the one that wants more for us 
that, that wants us to live in line with, with the way things are supposed to be. And so, God, I, I pray as we go from this place, we, we can continually live with this intentionality, Lord, that we can live on purpose and, and with purpose and for purpose. And, and in the meantime, I, I pray these things, and I thank you for, for the one who demonstrates that intentionality for us. Your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. I hope you will intentionally grab a homemade cookie on your way out. And uh, we'll see you Wednesday for our Ash Wednesday service and pancake dinner.